Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody at 908 WTIC News Talk 1080. This is Will Marotti's show. Your host, Will Marotti. Matt Royce, our master ceremonies. Hope you had a good uh, good weekend. Very distressing to hear about the uh, the woman who was shot and killed in in uh, Meriden last night. Apparently, she had children. And uh, violence continues. Violence continues. Um, and I'm sure I'm sure the people or the person who shot her. Uh, purchased the gun legally and had a, a license, a, a permit carry uh, license, um, of course. <sighs> well, pretty, pretty, not really true, but um, anyway, um, gosh, it, a lot going on, a lot of things going on, and um, just when you think things are calming down a little bit, that seems like they ramp up. We're going to be talking with Steve Bucci today. Uh, we have the first case of um, uh, that we know of, an actual combat situation, a hypersonic uh, weapon used, hypersonic missile, apparently, allegedly, was, was shot and uh, hit its mark in uh, Ukraine by the Russians. And uh, we are, uh, I was watching a couple guys over the weekend, we're, we're behind. We're behind on that technology. And... Um, we need to get caught up. Also, the weekend, a, a Chinese airliner went down. A Boeing 737, 132 people, 132 souls on board, and uh, uh, all killed. Um, so, uh, according to a satellite, a NASA satellite, they showed a massive fire in the area where the plane went down at the time of the crash. We don't know. Um, China, of course, is going to be very quiet about this. Not going to talk about it. Uh, Shanghai-based China Eastern was the airline. So just uh, no no uh, shortage of heartache to go around. We could bring some a couple of lighthearted things maybe uh, to you today. Um, yeah, it is. It is. We had a great weekend. A great weekend at church. Had had some radio listeners there. So thrilled to meet you guys when you come out. Um, hope that you enjoyed the services. We certainly did. We had a good attendance, and uh, 
I think uh, COVID is, is, you know, of course, there's a new variant. We'll talk about that. New variant coming out. Already out. Whatever. We'll talk about that. But it's 9-11. So let's take a moment and uh, focus our thoughts, shall we? Heavenly Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, thank you for another incredible day of life, another day that we woke up and were able to get up and move about and do the things we want to do and need to do. Thank you for the many blessings in life, things that we overlook at times, family, friends, um, ability to earn income, nice places to live, cars to drive, food to eat, all those things that... um, certainly aren't being taken for granted uh, in in Ukraine this morning, today. Um, We pray for the family of the woman who was killed last night. We pray for uh, comfort and protection for her children. We we think of these 132 people killed yesterday in a plane crash and that you'd comfort their families as well. Give our our leaders wisdom, both our our national and, and state leaders. Protect all the men and women in our armed forces as they're very close, in in some cases, to harm's way. Uh, All of our first responders, we pray for blessing. All folks that are sick, help them. Give them healing, give them comfort, and uh, help us today. Guide us today in this uh, glorious day that you've created us. Let us give thanks, and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Can I get amen out there? Amen. Amen. The chorus. Yes, indeed. All right, 800-966-9842, 860-522-9842, the numbers. And uh, I'll wait for the amens to start coming in here. Just had a few. Um, IndyCar race yesterday, what a tremendous IndyCar race at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, the XPL 375, I think it was 248 laps, equal 375 miles. Um, probably one of the best races there in years. Uh, and what a, what a show from Connecticut's own Santino Ferrucci. Not racing in IndyCar this year. He will be participating in the Indy 500, participating racing in NASCAR this year in the uh, Xfinity Series. And uh, the driver of the car was in a crash on Saturday, uh, Jack Harvey, England's Jack Harvey, and was not cleared by IndyCar to race. I don't know if it's a concussion issue, some injury. We don't know what it is. But it was not cleared to race. And so uh, they had called uh, Santino on Saturday and said, could, could you be ready just in case? And, yeah, he said, I live in Texas now, so I'm only, you know, an hour from the track, 45 minutes, whatever is from the track. So he got to call 9 o'clock Sunday morning. Can you get over here? So he had his helmet and grabbed his stuff. He borrowed the other driver's suit, Jack Harvey. And uh, starting in last place, 27th place, had no warm-up, no practice. I think they gave him, because the car was destroyed, so they had to rebuild the car overnight. They let him take five, I think, five laps you know, shakedown laps just to make sure there was no, you know, oil or fuel pouring out of the car somewhere. And he went at this incredibly uh, difficult racetrack and uh, ended up finishing ninth. So hats off to Connecticut's Santino Ferrucci, the oval master still. And uh, I was, I think I was the best driver today. I really do. Joseph Newgarden won the race. When it was Penske, you understand Penske's got a huge empire, business empire. You see the Penske trucks all over the place and so many other businesses that Penske operates. Uh, it was the 600th team win for Penske. 600, rate one, not 600 races competed in, 600 wins. 
It was an amazing, amazing feat. And at the end of the race, apparently he had made this offer to any of his drivers. Whoever got the 600th win, he was going to pay $600 to as a bonus. And so after the race was over in victory lane, here's here's Roger Penske counting out $100 bills to Joseph Newgarden. And, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it was a pretty exciting race. If you like IndyCar, it was a uh, – gosh, it was a good race. But um, a lot of uh, a lot of good drives. But I, I think you got to give Santino the the drive of the day, going from last place to ninth in a car he had not driven and hadn't been in under the circumstances. And of course, the team. I mean, to take the car that was really damaged, put it back together again, put it out the track the next day, drive it up tonight. I mean, it's fantastic, fantastic. So that was good. That was good. Um, a couple things I want to talk about today. Um, not, not all is gloomy in, in the oil world. Uh, apparently, independent oil producers, mostly in Texas, but Texas, Oklahoma, um, are really ramping up production and are able to do so without needing government intervention, permission, or anything else. And they're doing well. They're doing well. They're 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 while they were hurting for a while, they're doing well, and uh, and they and they plan on and on ramping up production, more wells, more pumping. All these are little called little. I mean, <laughs> you're not too little if you own an oil company, but these are independent. You know, like the article said the little guys. So we're gonna talk about that today. Christmas in March, what that's all about. You know, well, we'll talk about that. And uh, Navy pilots have been flying dozens of missions every day from the aircraft carrier USS Harry S. Truman. Uh, just as a, as a show, a reminder, a reminder to Vladimir, we're still out here. We can still, we still have great capability. We're talking about the hypersonic weapon with Steve Bucci. There, uh, I don't know that this is true. This is from an, an English uh, uh, source, but apparently there, there is or was a plan, I guess was a plan because he would have got them already, to poison and take Vladimir Putin out of office. But apparently there's still uh, some undercurrent about that as well. Um, and then a little-known story, a little a little attention, very little attention, story came out Saturday. What a surprise. Now, everybody in the Biden administration, from Biden on down, um has been saying that the reason for the prices going up, the inflation, the gas price, it's all it's all Putin. It's all Putin. Putin invaded, look at the prices. You, you know, just everybody everybody's carrying that water. And of course it's not true because we know the gas prices were already going up as soon as Biden canceled started canceling oil projects. We know inflation was already going up before Putin invaded. So so you know cer certainly Putin did not help the situation, but but certainly happened. Well, uh, oddly enough, uh, very quietly, um, the Biden administration approved restarting the leasing program for new gas and oil drilling. Um, very quiet. You didn't hear a lot about it. But apparently, um, they're realizing that they are not helping the situation by catering to the greenies, to the, to the crazy climate people who want to destroy our economy, shut down the country. If they had their way, that's what they would do. 
for some some theory yet to be proven. Not that there hasn't, again, I feel stupid I didn't have to qualify this. It's so frustrating. It's not that we deny that the climate is changing. In fact, the climate always is changing. It's been changing for thousands of years. The question is, what direct impact does man have on it? The other part of that equation is, even if the U.S. did everything they could to come off of of oil and gasoline and carbon-based fuel, Fossil fuel, the horrible, evil fossil fuel. Um, nobody else is going to do it. China's not going to do it. India's not going to do it. Pakistan's not going to do it. Iran's not going to do it. So so it's going to be negligible. If there's any a negligible change, because the other guys pollute more than we do. So Biden finally, somebody got to Biden and said, Joe, Joe, while he was playing a video game, probably playing Pac-Man or something, and they said, this is really bad for the midterms. you got to do something here. We're going to get killed. And so uh, very quietly, quietly, they restarted the leasing program for gas and oil drilling. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, we're going to take a break. A couple commercials. We'll come back. Let's open the phone lines, 800-966-9842, 860-522-9842, right here on the Monday edition of the Will Marotti Show. We'll be right back. Back to the Will Marotti Show on WTIC News Talk 1080. You know, it's amazing to me uh, with COVID pretty much in our rearview mirror. I know people still getting in Europe. There's a new variant out. I know BA2 variant. And, you know, of course, that's going to be the... I'll tell you right now, the, this new variant that's out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to absolutely have no impact on society. And here's why. Because it's an election year. It's an election year. Democrats understand that people don't have the stomach for restrictions, lockdowns, permanent mask wearing. Nobody wants to do that. People I know don't want to do it. I mean, you might want to do it, but I don't want to do it. And so... And so uh, we'll we'll see we'll we'll see what the science says. Am I am I skeptic? You better believe I am. You better believe I'm skeptical. Eight hundred nine six six nine eight four two eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Are you skeptical? Are you skeptical of the government? Are you skeptical of things that were told by the media? Um, are, are you skeptical? Do you, do you do you do you trust it? I, I, some do, some don't. Big news over the weekend. I don't know if it's true or not. It'd be nice if it was true. But apparently, um, Dr. Fauci thinking about retiring. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Like uh, like most Americans, people are, are ready for uh, um, the pandemic to be over. And, and some Americans are ready for Dr. Fauci to be over. So uh, this, uh, this came out last week. Uh, it appeared on ABC, PBS, and CNN the last few days. He was making rounds talk about the B2 variant. 
the more transmissible train strain of Omicron. Um, but he's he's giving signals apparently, giving signals that this this could be his last run. On PBS, Fauci conceded the country is in a period of declining cases and death, but cautions we generally follow the pattern of the UK a few weeks later. So he's saying we'll see an uptake uptick in cases, which is really, I mean, uptake uptick in cases is meaningless when we're talking about our country and public health. When Fauci says cases, he means positive tests, whether a person is symptomatic or not. So we'll see. We'll see when we start hearing about it and the media jumps in. But he's definitely making some some signs that he may be uh, maybe his last his last hurrah. Um, so first question: Do you trust the government? Are you skeptical? Number one. Number two: uh, did, did you uh, did you here's a did you go to church this weekend? I don't care where. I don't care synagogue, church, mosque. Did you go and worship God this weekend? Anywhere. Pretty, I, I think that's an important, important part of our lives. There's a, there's a question. Uh, would you like to see Fauci retire? Another question. I'd like to see that. Here's that oil story I talk, started talking about earlier. This is a good story. Uh, in spring of 2020, oil prices were crashing, and, and, and Autry Stevens was in trouble. Uh, prices began to stabilize a few months later. His Midland, Texas oil company decided to take a gamble and expand drilling. The timing was perfect. When oil prices now are, are over $100 a barrel, this, was just, this just came out uh, Friday, this article. Mr. Stevens' company, Endeavor Energy Resources, and a few other privately held U.S. drillers have emerged as pivotal players in the global energy market. The war in Ukraine and sanctions against Russia have hit supplies and the smaller energy providers starting to produce more crude. And that means they're making a lot of money. Mr. Stevens, who turned 84 last week, may be the biggest winner. Under financial pressure in the early 2020s, he's now become one of the wealthiest people in the American energy sector with a net worth of more than $10 billion. Amen. We like that. $10 billion. According to people close to him, market variations of assets controlled by his company, of which he is the sole owner. Mr. Stevens is a reserved oil man who often eats cheese, case- <laughs> cheese quesadilla with fries for lunch and is usually in his office seven days a week. <laughs> said he's never before seen a market with such surging prices and yet so little competition. He said it's almost too good to be true. The emergence of the Endeavor and other private companies as important oil players have been driven by big changes in U.S. energy industry. The Biden administration calling companies to increase their crude production after gasoline prices surged, the big evil gas companies, threatening uh, the broader economy. But many large, public, many large publicly traded companies, as well as privately traded companies, have been cautious about ramping up drilling. They feel, they're feeling pressure from investors who prefer dividends and share buybacks to ambitious, expensive drilling plans who also suffer profit disappointments, who also suffer profit disappointments and past booms. Also, the push from investors and others to re- reduce carbon, carbon emissions has curved the appetite of big oil to drill. 
This is wonderful. Mr. Stevens only has a few of those pressures. Neither do other family-owned drilling companies like Melbourne Oil Company in Tyler, Texas. Owned by an 86-year-old Curtis Melbourne. Over the years, these companies have buffeted suitors, borrowing money from banks and others, relying on their own cash to fuel drilling, giving them free reign and search for new wells. And no government, no government holdback there. Together, Endeavor Melbourne currently operate 33 gas and oil drilling rigs in the U.S., according to investment advisory firm Pickering Energy Partners, up from just five in 2020. By comparison, Mobile Chevron combined have a, a, a 27 rigs drilling right now, down from 33 in 2020. All right, we're going to take a break, take the news. I want to get back to this. We come back. Stay with us. WTIC News Talk 1080. This is Local Radio, The Will Marotti Show on WTIC News Talk 1080. All right, welcome back. 936 WTIC News Talk 1080 800-966-9842-860-522-9842. Talk about the independent oil drillers in America that are really ramping up. And uh, by the end of this year, Endeavor and Melbourne Oil will together produce, oh my gosh, 433,000 barrels of oil a day, or 4% of the U.S. entire production. The two companies will add 16,000 barrels a day, hopefully this year, or 18% of the nation's anticipated production growth. Wow. Imagine that, two companies, two companies doing that. And there's a lot of other small ones, too. While drilling uh, by drilling Endeavor and other private companies isn't enough to offset the loss of Russian oil in the global market, it's providing crucial. It's providing a, a crucial amount amid fears that energy supplies won't keep up with global demand. As of today, 62% of the 734 active U.S. oil and gas rigs are operated by private companies like, oh man, like Endeavor compared to 49% in 2019. So the, the private guys are, are building up. Dan Pickering, founder of Pickering Energy Partners, says it's the, the real winners right now are the private companies. Prices are high and the little guys are quickly adding production to take, care, take advantage of it. There's no guarantee, of course, current market conditions will be favorable for companies like Endeavor. We don't know how long to last. Wow. Mr. Stevens, the owner of Endeavor Oil, grew up in a farming community in De Lahan, a closed-knit, economically challenged city of just 2,000 people in central Texas. His father owned a tractor dealership. Mr. Stevens started his hand at farming, graduated from high school in 1956. And uh, his father persuaded him to, to go into another business. Farming's too tough. Wow. So that's I think that's good news. Good news for the small oil-producing companies in, in the United States. They're really stepping up, having the ability to step up. Did you hear about the Let's Go Brandon license plate challenge? 
So if you're not familiar with Let's Go Brandon, there was a race, and I think it was at I think it was at Talladega, Alabama. I'm not sure, and uh, it was a development series race, Xfinity race. You know, racing NASCAR, IndyCar, they have developments. You know, baseball has a development. You know, minor leagues, single A is the entry point, double A, triple A is is the the next step is the majors, right? Well, racing, a lot of racing has those same kind of development things, and so this has been considered triple A in racing, the Xfinity series for NASCAR. And uh, this guy, Brandon, I don't remember how do you remember his last name. Brandon won the race, first race he ever won. And, um, and so the, the uh, NBC reporter, Kelly Stavis, was, was had, interviewing him after the race because he was overcome with joy and emotion. And Kelly had a headset, you know, a lot of people there, and, and the crowd started chanting. And what Kelly reported and I don't think she was lying. I think she just heard it this way because she had the headsets on. Uh, headset on. She told the, the driver, Branson, listen, they're, they're cheering for you. They're, they're cheering, let's go, Brandon. And, of course, we know that's not what they were cheering. They were cheering something, something Biden. <laughs> so the let's go, Brandon thing really, really caught, right? So a 44-year-old Alabama gun shop owner, Nathan Kirk, went to the Department of Motor Vehicle to attend uh, one of the most typical boring tasks that Americans have to deal with, registration of his F-250 pickup truck. Plus, he was taking care of a little detail. The Let's Go Brandon meme was really blowing up online, so he wanted a vanity plate, and the vanity plate was LGB, not the not the other movement. Let's go, Brandon. LGBFJB. You can only imagine what that stands for. The plate arrived, uh, but he didn't think much about it. Then he received a letter a few weeks from the Alabama Motor Vehicle Department. The, the letter informed that the license plate was an affront to peace and the dignity of the state of Alabama. He was further informed he had 10 days to go to the MVD and surrender the plate. Well, they gave it to him in the first place, right? So he fights it. As the story exploded online, thousands of social media commentators voiced support for him. More than 56,000 other people liked or loved the Facebook page post on a Newsmax story when it came to light that the state was warning him about the license plate. On this past Saturday, Kirk received a second letter. This time, good news. The Alabama Department of Revenue and Motor Vehicle Department has determined that the above-referenced license plate will not be recalled. We apologize for any inconvenience. I mean, I would have thought in Alabama there would have been no question about the license plate, right? Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> you know, I, I can't imagine there, there are great lovers of Joe Biden down there. But he stood up. He he fought the law and the <laughs> he fought the man, right? He fought the law and the law one. He fought the man and he won. So that's good. He, he's going to keep his... Let's go, Brandon. License plate and display it proudly on his Ford F two fifty. Only in America, right? Only in America. Remember when the story broke last year, or actually before last year, uh, or earlier last year, about the uh, the surfaced laptop that allegedly belonged to Hunter Biden, and all of the video and 
photos, emails that were on the thing that you would not want out in your public life. That's for darn sure. And of course, it was a myth. Of course, the the lamestream media came out defending Hunter and that doesn't exist. And this is a this is a Trump smear trick and it's Russian disinformation. And well, that was when the New York Post first published the eye the eyebrow raising information, and it was back in October of 2020, a month before the presidential election. Of course, pro Biden anti Trump supporters including several at the New York Times, portrayed the Post story as, as unsubstantiated. Well, guess what? Yesterday, now this was this would have been Thursday. The article was written Friday. It was on Thursday. Yesterday, the New York Times published a story that quotes emails from the laptop of Hunter Biden, President Joe Biden's son, abandoned at the computer repair shop in Delaware. The messages are reinforced by the impression that Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company, had paid the younger Biden $50,000 a month to serve on its board, expecting him to use his influence with his father for the company. We also know that he took a million dollars from the former mayor of Moscow's wife. Finally, the New York Times, the historic New York Times, finally says, yeah, it's true. They in, in October 2020, unsubstantiated. Oh no, this is a Trump smear. There's no, there's no truth to this at all. And, uh, what happens? Oh, guess what? We were wrong. Now that you don't like Biden, we were wrong. It did, it, 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 it did it. It does exist, and all that was true. Wow, isn't it amazing how these things just seem to turn around by themselves? To be fair, this, now this, I'm reading this from uh, Reason.com. To be fair, there are reasons to be skeptical about the Post's original story. The paper said that the repair shop owner had been identified as John Paul Mac Isaac, but couldn't couldn't positively positively identify the customer as Joe Biden, even though there was a sticker on the laptop that said the Bo Biden Foundation. All right, not proof positive. Before the laptop seized the computer as evidence, the Post said Mac Isaac made a copy of the hard drive and gave it to former Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Oh, cause must be a, must be a lie if you're involving Giuliani. And then Steve Bannon, former advisor to Trump, told the Post about the existence of the hard drive. So of course it must be all false because Bannon's involved and and, and Giuliani's involved. And, and and now we find out Thursday the Post admits or the Times admits that it's true huh and we and and you say should we be skeptical of the government is there a reason for us to be skeptical of the government i don't know are you are you skeptical of your government are you skeptical of the media 800-966-9842-860-522-9842 i want to talk later about a story also from reason how the government's corona response was a complete failure of course, nobody will be held accountable. That's for sure. Mentioned this, uh, just mentioned this earlier. Uh, an Eastern, a China Eastern Boeing 737 with 132 people on board crashed in the southern province of Guangxi on Monday, officials said. 
There was no immediate word on the numbers of death or injured. The plane was carrying 123 passengers and nine crew members. Mm-hmm. President Xi, uh, called, Xi, uh, Xi Jinping called for an all-out effort to make a rescue operation for post-crash arrangements be handled appropriately and potentially safety hazards investigated to ensure complete civil aviation flight safety. Um, the CAAC, which is the China version, the, the Civil Aviation Administration of China, um, our version of the FAA, sent a team of officials said they were working to control a mountainside blaze ignited by the crash. Mm-hmm. You, know, you won't hear about this. They, will, they won't talk about this at all. It's just not going to surface for China, but there you have it. Um, yes. Would, would you like to see, would you like to see Dr. Fauci retire? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Uh, but this on the on the Navy air aviation front, dozens of missions being flown daily as a Russian deterrent from the USS Harry as Truman aircraft carrier. Aboard the aircraft carrier Truman on the Ionian Sea since December, Harry S. Truman Carrier Strike Group, Carrier Wing 1, and its escorts have been operating in the Adriatic and Ionian Sea, uh, launching about 80 to 90 missions a day as far north as Lithuania for a variety of missions at NATO-allied aircraft from Romania, France, and Italy. They're supporting these, these efforts. Some fighters launched from Truman are training, while others are set to police NATO's airspace and prevent Russian aircraft from violating these borders. This is going to get dicey. I'm telling you, this is going to get really dicey before it's over. Um, hey, let's take a break, a couple commercials. We'll come back, and we'd love to hear from you today. Matt, anxiously awaiting your call right here today on the Monday edition of the Will Marotti Show. This is the Will Marotti Show on WTIC News Talk 1080. Eight hundred nine six six nine eight four two eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. So we've got these planes flying missions uh, in in and around the uh, the hot spot that's happening in in Ukraine, not in Ukraine, but around it. And they're and, and in some cases they're just training missions. Other times, um, they're protecting NATO airspace or monitoring NATO airspace. So we'll see. That's that's pretty serious. So for the first time, this is, again, a report, but for the first time uh, in in a war, in a combat theater, which is what Ukraine has become, a hypersonic weapon, hypersonic missile was used. Now, you have basic missiles, you have basic missiles, surface-to-air missiles, you have basic air-to-surface missiles, you have ICBMs, which are really the thing everybody worries about. These are intercontinental ballistic missiles that can fly from here to anywhere and do do so with this protection of space for a portion of their trip, and then they come in, and if, if, the, if they come in with warheads, the nuclear warheads, 
Then you have hypersonic missiles. Um, but hard to shoot down because of their speed. Just as intercontinental ballistic. In fact, I, I think we just shot down our first, as a test, I think we have a, a test out there. We just shot down our first intercontinental ballistic missile recently. The United States did. Uh, very hard to shoot those down. I mean, hard to shoot these hypersonics down because of the fact that they move so quickly beyond the speed of sound. And um, because they're they're maneuverable, you can control where they go, how they're flying remotely. And uh, and so this article says that we are. We'll talk to Steve Bucci about this. We're behind development with Russia and China and these weapons. And now we're now it's like the space race. Remember, Russia was ahead of us, so the old Soviet Union ahead of us in the space race. We had to push like crazy to catch up and then eventually go ahead of them. Well, same thing is happening now with the hypersonic missile. Ballistic missile development. Uh, General Dynamics in Maine and a subsidiary, Bath Ironworks, has been engineering these kinds of missiles, these weapons, to to be uh, uh, deployed on on Zumwalt-class destroyers. Hypersonic weapons are defined as anything traveling beyond Mach 5 or five times greater than the speed of sound. That is hauling freight. That's about 3,800 miles per hour or 6,300 kilometers per hour. Hard to shoot something like that. Hard to see it, let alone shoot it down. Very difficult, very difficult. So that that's what we're up against. We'll talk. We'll ask Steve a little bit about this uh, after the news, this Oh, it's a it's a dangerous world, my friends. It's a dangerous world. I again now I mentioned this earlier. I don't know that it's true. According to Chief Decorative Decorate Directorate Office of Intelligence for the Ministry of Defense in Ukraine. Eesh, that's a mouthful. A group of influential members from the Russian elite have hatched a plan to topple. Vladimir Putin. The goal of the group is, is to remove Putin from power as soon as possible, restore economic ties to the West. See, these are all the the wealthy people in Russia going, rut row, these sanctions are going to hurt us. This is going to kill us. Our stock's going to go down. We're going to lose gazillions of dollars. We better We better fix this thing while we can. Ukrainian intelligence service claims the successor to Putin has already been chosen in the form of their version of the FBI FSB director Alexander Bortnikov, supposedly the replacement for Putin. Ukrainian intelligence has said Putin will be the target of a, a Kremlin plot. Of course, you're talking about it. Now, you know, he's so stinking paranoid anyway, right, Putin? He's probably already got the lockdown on this thing. Anybody gets five feet near him, they get killed, right? <laughs> or ten feet near him, you know? Could be. I don't know. Hard to say. Energy suggested that losses incurred by the Chechen forces have influenced the alleged plot. Of course, the Chechens got wiped out when they were trying to, they were trying to assassinate. Uh, Vladimir Zelensky, and they got wiped out. So it's it's hard to know what the truth is. It's hard to know who to believe. 
So other than today being the first day of spring, I guess <laughs> they say, um, it's also World Down Syndrome Day. We're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show. We've been blessed to have a, a child with Down Syndrome, a tremendous source of joy. And uh, World Down Syndrome Day was marked every year on March 21st. It began in 2006 to signify the, uni- the uniqueness of trisomy 21 members of the Down Syndrome community. Every March 21st, World Down Syndrome Day is create- is observing the awareness of Down Syndrome. And, uh, boy, I wish you had more Down Syndrome people that, that, made abort- that weren't aborted and killed. But the vast majority of Down Syndrome people in the last 20 years have been aborted. And then a lot of a lot of babies that were not Down syndrome, but were the parents were frightened about it, were aborted, and they could have lived completely normal lives. So that's what's happened. All right, we're gonna take a break. A couple commercials, news. Come back. We'll have Steve uh, Steve Bucci from Heritage Foundation be our guest. Stay with us. WTIC News Talk 1080. All Star Closer Kenley Jansen. We have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 